Hi, I'm Adele Kirby. I'm the founder of Imagine Active Fitness, and you are listening to the App Guy podcast with Paul Kemp. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And so what I like to do is go and scour the internet looking for really interesting people. Uh, I want to interview them so that we can benefit you in whatever you're getting up to. And so uh, I've recently been looking into how we can use Kickstarter to uh, launch our apps. And I think it's a really powerful platform because not only does it uh, give us the funding, obviously, that's very useful, given that we don't want to build up credit card debt, you know, trying to really realize our own uh, ideas. But also, it gives us market validation as well. And uh, to talk us through that process and to uh, talk us through his journey as well, I've got a guest um, that you're going to really find quite interesting. It's His name is David Marsden. Now, he's a little bit complicated to understand because um, for, for a start, he, uh, I think you were born and bred in Worksop. Uh, yes. Is that right? And exactly. so, but now you're living in Sweden. Uh, you're ma- married or going out? Yes, with... yes. I uh, got married last year. So you're married to a Swedish girl, um, and uh, you're now uh, building apps I- I- in Swedish <laughs> on yep. Kickstarter, which doesn't actually uh, doesn't ha- uh, allow you in Sweden to do it. And uh, uh, but you're you're managing to uh, get this uh, app. Uh, to market and it's a really interesting app because it helps us um, get rid of those loyalty cards where we get stamps at uh, Starbucks and Nero's and uh, uh, and actually then give us um, the ability to uh, use our phones. So welcome to the App Guy podcast, David. Thank you. Hello. So tell us, yeah, well, obviously do a better job than me introducing yourself there. Perhaps <laughs> you could tell us your story. What, what uh, attracted you to app development and then why choose Kickstarter to try and uh, get something going? Um, well, to be honest, if, if anything, I'm sort of uh, late to the game almost. I uh, kept getting asked by clients, uh, oh, can you do an app? Uh, and it's, it's a tricky question to try and answer because it's, well, you're thinking that websites probably cost the same as an app or something and... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that, how much does an app cost? I think it's how much does an app cost.com or something. Uh, and it's yes. like a little wizard that goes through and it's, I usually like to send that to people just to sort of uh, uh, give them a sense of perspective. Um, but because uh, I can't get asked so much, uh, I decided over the summer, because uh, things always get quiet, uh, half of Sweden goes on holiday for the summer. So... Um, I uh, sat down so I wanted to okay, I'm going to learn how to build apps. Uh, and I, I started just looking at a sort of a gateway in for me because I'm a web developer, really. Tried to find a, some way to get into it without having to dive directly into native code. Um, but I didn't want to just cheat and do web apps either. So I looked at the sort of Adobe Cordova stuff. Uh, because I'm an expert uh, coder, that was a nice, uh, a nice easy segue into it. So, so this is interesting. So you build websites then, you have a number of clients, and these clients were saying, hey, we want some apps. And you were like, I need to get into this. Uh, it's been around, the app store obviously has been around for 
quite a number of years uh, before you got into it. So before that, you hadn't built any apps or had been interested no, the, in getting the, apps the, on market? The nearest I'd got to was sort of uh, just responsive design uh, and trying to make websites feel a bit more like apps when they were on a phone. But um, it's those native features and like push notifications and uh, backgrounding yeah. and stuff like that and being able to interact with media a bit more that is uh, more desirable to clients. So we'll get into your uh, app, specific app, uh, in a minute. But what I'd like to focus on, David, is that one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I was building apps for uh, what eventually were uh, website, well, clients that were uh, predominantly spending their money on websites. And to them, apps was like a side thought, a second, you know, like a just a knee-jerk reaction. And... Uh, I, I really struggled with some of the clients, uh, one, getting paid, two, just trying to convince them of the budget. Uh, and it seemed to be a lot of hard work. So I decided to just jump in, do a podcast, uh, gain some authority in this space. And uh, now I work with people that and clients that I really enjoy. Uh, so what I'm interested in, in learning from you, is um, and I obviously be careful what you say here, but uh, uh, without offending any uh, of your clients, how, how challenging is it taking a company that have um, uh, spent most of their time on a website and, and trying to convince them of the merits of an app? Well, really, for that, it's it's they when you're talking to a client about an app, they don't think of it as a separate entity. They think about it as a different portal to the website, almost like it's a theme or something for a website, when it really isn't. It's a different tool for the job. It's, you know, this, you use a, use a hammer on a nail and a screwdriver with a screw. It's uh, a different thing. Uh, one example, a radio station that broadcasts online and they have some sponsorships on their site. Uh, I was actually having difficulty trying to explain to their sponsors that they think they should automatically get their sponsorships put in the app as well because uh, they were promised that they would be put on every part of the website. But it's trying to convince them that it's not a replacement for the website. It's not the website. It's an app. It's so that you can stream the radio station in the background. It's a different tool. You can't do that with the website. So it's if you can explain to them in a way that they can understand the problem themselves, uh, then I find that helps a lot. Yeah, no, I uh, really do reinforce what you're saying here because I... As I said, I had these uh, challenging conversations. One, trying to convince uh, clients to to actually have an app, you know, and then and normally the conversation would go, "Well, we just want a responsive website design. Why do we need an app?" Uh, and then they would then uh, put a, only a little bit of money into the app, and uh, the app would be very basic. And uh, it, it, they didn't realize that there there's, there is a, a whole different mindset that's needed for an app. And in fact. Uh, I think there's some really interesting stats from Flurry, the analytics company, that that do claim 
that somewhere in the region of about 80% of uh, activity is in a native app. So, um, you know, like literally our smartphones are Statistics for me are uh, an an odd almost weapon to use in situations like, because I find some people, they can't rest until they've seen some statistics that back up what you're saying. And others just have no interest in the statistics. Uh, but I found like one one trick I've used is um, uh, I ask them to email me something uh, irrelevant, and then when they uh, they say, "Oh, could you just quickly do it now?" So I, I make sure I've got it, and then they get the phone out and they tap the email app. I said, "Oh, are you not going to use uh, gmail.com for that because it's the website?" And then they sort of get it. Ah. I tell you, it's, it's a different thing. That's great. Okay, so the whole like the apps to tribe listening uh, can can use this as a weapon to uh, uh, try to convert some of those uh, opportunities to apps because you're absolutely right. We have to go by our own experiences, and it's only until people are what you're saying is is what people are actually doing, not the numbers, not the statistics, but literally the behavior that we're having on our phones is what is indicative of what is actually happening out there. It's, I've, I've just been talking to a magazine company and uh, they're, they're smart people. They, 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 they know what they want. They just don't know how to get it. Uh, and so the one thing they weren't convinced on was, and this is going to sound bizarre, I think, they weren't convinced that they needed a Facebook page. Uh, and I was up until a point quite skeptical about it. Um, but then, you know, I said, okay, how do you find, you know, how do you browse your news feed of, like, she has a personal one, the owner, but uh, not a business one. I was like, well, how do you use yours? Do you sit at home on a desktop computer and log in and to read your stuff? Or do you just browse through it whenever you get a spur moment on the sofa? And they sort of, they, that, they suddenly get it's it's a it's yeah it's a it's a great entry point okay so that's well first of all that's very helpful so i want to again remind the apps to tribe listening to this that if you are into app development and you are trying to have these tricky conversations just throw it back to the client to say how are you actually living your life how are you using your smartphone uh, your devices and then uh, i yeah, think that you will can help trick out. them into discovering it themselves without you having to try, because then it becomes a, a thing of, they don't want to do a thing, because they either don't understand it, or it's uh, they think it's going to be too much uh, stress for them, or too much work for them. Uh, but if you can then trick them into understanding that, oh, that's exactly how I do things, then it sort of helps them discover it themselves, rather than just arguing against them because they don't want to think you can convince them without arguing then it's not a battle then it's more of a they come to the same conclusion as you and there's no argument at all (laughs) sounds great sounds great so let's move it on then to uh pretty much uh, an idea that uh, i think many of us would claim that we've probably thought about this in a little way because every time I go into the town center and you know buy a coffee or uh, get get some kind of service like for instance my haircut I get this stupid little paper form uh, that gives me a stamp 
And uh, they claim that the shops claims that, you know, when you get 10 of these, uh, come back and we'll give you a free coffee or whatever it is. And you just lose those things immediately. So you have solved this problem, but unfortunately you've solved it only for one town in Sweden. Well, I think that's the approach it needs. Uh, it's, it needs to be localized because the whole point is that it's local loyalty. Uh, if it's only one place you visit once a year, it's hardly loyalty. Uh, and I actually randomly had somebody on my Facebook page commenting, saying I was ripping off their idea and they had 4 million users and it was available worldwide. But I don't want to be available worldwide. Thank you very much. I'm <laughs> quite happy in this town. Oh, but right, it could okay, be so... cloned across towns. Yeah. But... Uh, it needs to be a little bubble, not int, not not uh, not such a, a wide. So then you're just shouting into a void. It's like trying to run this kind of stuff on on Facebook. After a while, you're just shouting to a billion people and trying to compete with everyone's pictures of their baby, cat, or breakfast. Uh, in that order. <laughs> well, d- d- David, I have to say that uh, you are episode 167, and in all this time, you, you seem to be t- talking the most sense. <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, you know, that we obviously, with app development, we get access to the distribution network of the app stores, and they are global, and uh, they have, as you say, a billion odd users. Uh, and we feel that um, we've only been successful when we get 2 million, 3 million downloads. And, and many of the startup founders who we've had on this show have had really big numbers. But of course, there is an alternative approach, which is to make apps really useful for your local community, your local town, your local city, and just focus on that and ignore all the noise. And, and so that's what that's, I've learned from you. And that's the thing. It's, it's all, all right me saying that. But it depends on if that fits the business model. For Facebook, they need a billion people because they need the adverts to get views and clicks. Uh, As where this model I'm trying to run isn't uh, based off that. It's it's a really weird old-fashioned system I'm using. It's called buying something and then getting something in return. (laughs) Uh, the businesses sign for a subscription it's a flat rate there's no limits no like you get a bit like facebook ads where you get a bit and then you uh, have to pay to be able to be seen by more people it's uh no it's just they pay for something and they are in the app and it's only them they're not competing with the people they're not competing with ads uh, and they get what they paid for. Now, users, it's free and always will be. And another part of what I'm, this is something I really believe in strongly. There's no tracking in the app. There's no ads, uh, not track purchases. Your purchases aren't available to anyone else other than the shop you're communicating with. Uh, and it helps you slim down your wallet a little bit we're not having little plastic membership cards that uh in sweden we have this personal id thing it's a bit like your passport number and you sign up to everything with it 
uh, you don't have to give that, you don't have to give your address, you don't even have to use your real name. Well, well, that is a very interesting uh, approach and belief because a few episodes ago we had uh, Christophe de Corson who uh, created an anonymous uh, messaging app and that's the one with all the millions of downloads. And uh, he, he uh, claimed that, uh, that the reason it was so successful was it was uh, on the back of uh, a BlackBerry Messenger yeah. and having anonymous uh, communications and so you don't have to even give out your phone number. Uh, but likewise, if you want to, you can sign up with Twitter and Facebook and share all you want if you want to. But uh, there's always the option not to. You can delete posts at any time if you do post anything. And there isn't actually that much uh, communication between users. And that's why it's different from things like Foursquare and Swarm, Facebook check-ins, uh, there's no badges. You're not competing against others. You have a, it's more like a personal high score. So when you go into a shop, if you buy something, you check in. Uh, and we have an interesting little security system because on Foursquare and face, uh, Facebook, uh, there's a McDonald's here about a mile away from my office. And I can check in there from here. And I've never been and I haven't spent a penny there, but I can check in and pretend I have. So if I use a system like that for collecting points, it's just going to ruin people. Um, so the way you do it is when you're at the till, you say you want to check in, tap the button on your phone, hand the phone over to the cashier, and they have a PIN number that they know and only they know. They tap it in, and that gives you the points. So let me get this right, then I'm trying to understand the, the process, because obviously we're talking around the same time as Apple Pay and a lot of this stuff, stuff that's coming in. So uh, it's a loyalty system where you can get something free from the retail shop. And you... that's the thing. It's not it's also not Groupon, where they're just giving something away, hoping that people come back again once they've had their three thing. Right. OK, uh, so, so it really is a loyalty scheme. Exactly. You don't get anything unless you're loyal. And so when you check in, uh, I'll take an example, you check into a coffee shop. Every time you check in, you get 100 points. And then the shop owner can set up a bunch of rewards. And once you've reached enough points, you can then redeem that reward. Or if you've got a very special reward, you can set that as a higher points uh, value. That way, you have to come back, say, come back seven times. On your seventh visit, you get a free coffee. On your 15th visit, you get free coffee and a cake. If you come back 25 times, you and a friend both get a free coffee and a cake. So it's this, uh, I've got this nice graphic as well that sort of tells you how far away you are to your next prize. Uh, so it's this nice little visual goal to go for. Uh, and the shop has control over the point system, so they can choose how many points per check-in. And if they want to, they can excuse me, reward extra points uh, for different types of purchases or certain number of points per pound or dollar or crown spent. So what I'm uh, trying to understand then is the physical nature of the transaction. Then you actually physically hand the phone to the 
store you then take the number from it is that right no it's um there's no there's no qr codes no no rfid uh it's literally you say you want to check in and then on the screen it says now please pass your phone to the cashier and there is a number pad they just tap in their pin number press ok and then they reward any extra points they need to record or if they don't just click ok again and then the points are rewarded to that person's account what I want to transition to right now, David, is that um, as we're running out of time, the, uh, the, the, the coding behind the app, uh, just how you went about it. Because I know in the pre-chat we spoke about um, the fact that you do code, but you have some aversion to, to coding because of uh, the, the nature of uh, how you think. Uh, and I think that would be relevant to, to the, the audience. Uh, I didn't know it until recently, uh, even. I just... Uh, I was told I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed for a, a, a long time. Um, uh, I have uh, various parts of the autistic spectrum. They actually don't have a name for my specific variant. It's like there's Asperger's and uh, uh, and like just generally autistic and uh, a few others. But for mine, they just call it atypical autism. Uh, uh, but it comes with... Uh, dyslexia on the top and a weird thing called uh, non-verbal learning disorder I think uh, but don't quote me on that um, it's where I basically can't see images in my head I have no visual uh, thought process um, it's like I can't read a uh, fictional book because I can't imagine what the people look like in my head it's just like reading words um, but if I've seen the film of a book, like, say, Harry Potter, for instance, because I've seen that and I'm listening to an audio book of it, I can sort of understand using the film characters as a reference. Uh, uh, and so then I can, I can enjoy it. But uh, generally, I have to just listen to podcasts all the time. But, uh, but also, the, that's a problem in programming because I started really young with programming. Started at the age of eight, uh, learned basic from a, a book. Uh, and it was literally something like the Ladybird first book of programming or something, <laughs> uh, with that little cartoon robots and stuff. But uh, I learned to build a little chatbot, put all of my friends in the class in it, uh, and built a little chatbot that would give each person in the class a different reply uh, and took that in as my sort of show and tell one day. Uh, but also I totally failed GCSE IT. Uh, in fact, I failed almost all my GCSEs apart from, ironically, science and RE, uh, religious education. Um, uh, uh, I didn't have enough GCSEs to go to college. My uh, dad actually had to bribe one of the lecturers with a very nice bottle of whiskey to convince him to miss that I didn't have the required five. Um, and so I got onto an IT BTEC diploma at college. And when it was just IT, something I could focus on and uh, something I could relate to better, I passed that with no problem. Went to university, got through the first three years no problem. Last year, 
I actually did a little project on as like the final project for uh, the fourth year to uh, actually build a, a little project of uh, how to make a podcast uh, and how to publish it and fund it and advertise it and things. Um, but I almost entirely failed that project because I misread the question. So I want to thank you for like being so open and authentic sharing that because I know there's a lot of people listening who are taking app development as a career, as a choice to become a solopreneur, work for a startup. And it's not based on intellect or uh, education. Uh, the fact is that anybody can pick up uh, oh, a yeah. laptop or an iPad or an iPhone and start uh, da- downloading some of the tutorials, going to iTunes University, and just start learning oh, this yeah. stuff. So That's, it's a very. Is, I, I've used that myself, the iTunes University, uh, for this kind of stuff. And that has been a great help for me finding and solving the, uh, uh, the problems that I've come across in doing the hybrid development. Uh, so because I can do top-down, which is basically what HTML is, uh, and I can manage CSS, fine. Uh, so if you build it as a hybrid app, then it gives you a little bit of access to some of the more complicated features, but allows you to build it in the style of a website, uh, which is a lot, a lot easier for me. And then I'm using sort of little bits of open source tools and like uh, Adobe Cordova. No, not Adobe. That's PhoneGap. Uh, is it Mozilla that own it now? Apache. Apache Cordova, I think. One of them. Uh, and uh, using that and a few little bits of web services that are basically open, uh, I've sort of built this thing together. Um, well, David, I just want to make an appeal to the audience, so the Abster tribe, because so many of us uh, listening uh, have had similar experiences in that. Uh, I took a BTEC. Uh, I actually left and failed my uh, uh, left my A levels, and then had to work my way back up. And so, the wonderful thing that you have to remember, if you're thinking now, you're listening to this as a podcast, and you're thinking, uh, should I, is it right for me? I don't have the uh, education. Forget what you've learned at school. Forget you know the fact that you don't have. Um, you know, the the, the uh, career or the uh, education that you think you need, that anybody can get into this. No, that's, that's, that's the beauty of, the te- of technology. It's uh, a tool that is available to anyone who is interested in it. Uh, you can just, just you, the, the tools are there. You don't need to be told how to do it. You just need to know you want to do it and then go and do it and look for the resources yourself. Um, like for, for, for me, I tried getting a job here as a web developer, uh, lasted nine months before I was basically just booted out because of my social problems mainly. Uh, sometimes I literally, uh, it's worse in winter for some reason, but sometimes I just can't get up in the morning. Physically cannot get up. Doesn't matter what happened the night before, I can't do it. Uh, and so I needed to be late sometimes. But uh, Swedish are very uh, prompt with everything. Uh, uh, and you're just trying to understand people, especially in a foreign language, it's a little bit extra tricky. But just trying to understand what people are saying to you uh, with this condition. Sometimes it's just impossible to comprehend what they mean in a sentence. You understand every word, 
but the the meaning can sometimes be lost if it's a bit more uh, emotional of a sentence, I suppose. But um, well, David, you need to go back and listen to my episode with Stefan Ittenheim. It's a while ago now, but he uh, is a coder that ended up. Uh, I think he started work about one in p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah, that's uh, that's. I, I I work best in the afternoons. That's why I booked this appointment for three p.m. Right. Uh, it's uh, that kind of thing. It's um, and so it's. I I basically I did this because my own boss isn't going to fire me if I'm me. If that's me. Uh, and I can't annoy my colleagues with things I think are interesting right now, but they're working, and I just can't understand that they wouldn't want to listen to me right now. Uh, so this this it's given me such power to uh, control things more, uh, which is something I need. Uh, having control, I need to see an end project. Uh, laid out. I can't build just a a part of a website. I have to know what the website's going to be in a few years to figure it all out and work on it now without an end goal because I can't imagine one. I need to see one. And so when I'm doing a website, I can I can sketch out something and very rough, but at least I've got a goal. Uh, and that's what it was with the programming. I needed a, a project to teach myself. Uh, and so I think that's a really good way. Set yourself a little goal. If you've got that little idea for a little invention, make a mini version of it and uh, you know, learn what you need to do that. And it will give you the motivation to do it. So I was planning on doing just a simple coffee card for one shop. But then that's built into this idea of doing it for several. Uh, and uh, I've had lots, lots of interest. I had 20,000 hits on my Facebook page alone in a week. The only problem is they haven't gone through to the Kickstarter. <laughs> but that's because it's relatively unknown here. Well, that, well, I mean, we've run out of time, unfortunately, David. And, no problem. Uh, it's... Been I think a fascinating journey. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just being authentic yourself, uh, uh, that will really inspire people listening because we all have challenges and, uh, you know, to have like, so I'm just going to summarize the things I've learned from you is that uh, to, to have a project where you see it from start to finish is very important. And in fact, that's probably summarized why people want to get into a startup or work for themselves because they have more control over what they're doing and uh, they have end goals whereas if you're part of a machine part of a corporation you get one specific little job and you're a little cog in that wheel and so i see that that's a very important thing that, that drives us so i've learned that i've learned uh, a lot from you david i want to thank you for coming on the show how best can people reach out to you and connect uh, I think the the best way would probably go through my main blog. It's a bit silly. It's set up with stuff that's usually about jokes about Apple uh, keynotes, but it's where I just dump my things I think are funny for that. Uh, but I've got a, a, a post on there that's very recent about the Kickstarter. Um, and, you know, I'll add a link on there that translates it as well because most of it's in Swedish. Uh, but there is a video on the homepage with English subtitles uh, as well. 
and yeah, you can find the Kickstarter from there as well. Um, most of the rewards are for locals here, um, but if you're interested in the idea, uh, there's sort of a, a franchise reward where if you put the money into the pot for the, uh, the franchise, that sort of gives you the right to be have your own clone of the app for your hometown, and that can be anywhere in the world. So if you've got a hometown that's also being wrecked by a local shopping mall or a big supermarket and nobody's visiting the town centre anymore, uh, if you want to, you can get your own version of that. Uh, so yeah, check it out, david-marsden.com. Wonderful. David, thanks for joining us on the App Guide podcast. All the best for your journey. And we hope to uh, you know, see a successful uh, Kickstarter campaign and uh, that you go on to some great things. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. One last little thing I want to say. Yeah, sure. Go for if it. If there's anyone listening here that uh, has these ADHD or autism problems, also check the site out. I've got links to every single piece of social media I'm ever on, uh, like Twitter and such. If you've got a question... Just, I'd love to hear it. I don't hear enough from from similar people, so I'd love to. Great, there you go. Uh, thanks very much, David, and uh, yeah, hope to uh, hope to keep following you on Twitter and uh, see, seeing your great progress. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcast 